you know you want to do something, you see other people doing it, and you know you can do it too. And guess what? You can. If I can do this, you can too. So think about what you want to do, write it down, and get started. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our co-host today really needs no introduction, Albert Hathazi from alberthathazi.com and also the host of the From the Hip Mostly Comedy Podcast. Hey, Albert. Hey, how are you? I'm great. Welcome back. Uh, you know, the last time we had our guest today, Caesar Abid, I did the introduction, but I thought it might be more fun to have you do the introduction for Caesar. So, Albert, if you would oh. take it away. Oh, that's great. We'd like to have found out about this ahead of time, but let's see what I could scrap together over here. Caesar is the host of two very successful and award-winning podcasts, the Construction Industry Podcast and the PM for the Masses Podcast. He's a speaker. He's a dancer. He's a family man, and he loves beautifully built cathedrals. Welcome, Caesar Bade. Thank you, <laughs> Albert, or whoever you are today. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, how's that? From the hip, how is that? Very different. One of the questions we like to ask everyone that's on the show, and you've already been on the show, we asked the best concert, but you've already answered that. So the next best question that Albert and I could come up with was, <laughs> what was the second best concert you ever attended? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> You know what, Jared? I grew up in Brazil and in the 80s, and the big names didn't really go down there very often. And I think the second best concert, but the first one I shared last time was Paul McCartney here in, uh, in Detroit. Yep. The second one, I think probably the first concert I ever went to was down there in Brazil in a nightclub. And it was a guy named Johnny Rivers. He's famous for uh, right singing, what is it, The Wider Shade of Pale and some of those old 60 tunes. And he played there like Unplugged. And I went there. I think I had a fake ID. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> but it was really exciting to be out at night listening to a celebrity play some music. That, that was probably John, number two. Johnny Rivers. I'm not familiar with Johnny, but now I'm compelled to go to YouTube. Welcome to the poor side of town. He sings that song. <laughs> All right. Duly noted. <laughs> hey, Caesar, man. This is Elvis Presley. How are you doing, man? Hey. Hey, Elvis. How are you? I'm very good, man. Uh, put together a little song for you. Uh, just a little bit. A couple lines I got down. It goes, oh, I wish I was getting my project funded. People could read my book when I'm done, baby. I don't know. I mean, I'm still working on it. <laughs> That's beautiful. But, you know, Caesar, I, I know you like music, man. Um, you're a big fan of old rock and roll and modern music as well. Tell us a little bit about this Frozen story, your experience with it. Oh, uh, the whole Frozen video thing? That's right, man. Absolutely, Caesar. The last time you were on the show, we talked about Frozen, and you ended up doing a video with your daughter, and, and this story's too good not to tell. All right. Like, short version here. Uh, when I was on the show with you, Jared and Albert, last time, we talked about uh, singing karaoke, I think, and then Jared just, you know, threw this challenge out there for me to go and sing Love is an Open Door from the movie Frozen with my family and, and do a video and put it on YouTube. And I like challenges, and that song was being played here nonstop anyways, and I knew the lyrics. My daughter knew the lyrics, so I decided, you know what? This Saturday, we're just going to go into the someplace quiet and record it. And the quietest place we can find in the household was actually inside of our car, in the minivan, because <laughs> <laughs> right. we you know, have a baby and all that. So we just sat in there, and it took like a couple of takes, and we recorded a karaoke version of that song, you know, doing the parts and all. You know, I was, I think, Prince, whatever his name is. And Laura, my seven-year-old, was Princess Anna. And I just put that on YouTube. And then it just kind of went a little bit viral after that, you know. I think right now it has close to 30,000 views. But the most interesting thing, and uh, I think it was Jared who pointed this out to me, that ABC News picked that up 
and they were doing a documentary on the making of the movie Frozen. And then they had a little section towards the end dedicated to the impact that he had on the culture and kids and their parents and their relationships. And they had us there on the documentary (laughs) for, you know, it's just a few seconds, but it's just a few seconds that my daughter is singing. So I thought it was really cool that my daughter was singing on national TV, blaring across America and Canada, just because the Starve the Doubts podcast and a challenge that Jared (laughs) gave me months ago so that's well i'll never forget i'm sitting there with my wife and my daughter down here in south florida and we're watching the making of frozen on abc and that segment comes up and they show you and your daughter and i'm like holy and then expletive i'm like that's caesar abid and my wife's like who is caesar abid i'm like you don't understand you don't understand like we had him on the show we talked about this like it was one of those moments for me i geeked out i instantly went like tried to make a video of it and went on instagram and facebook I was pretty excited. I felt like a fanboy. So yeah, me too. And you, um, if it wasn't for you, I probably wouldn't have known it about it until <laughs> days later because you shared it and you're just blaring on, you know, across uh, Instagram and Twitter. This is you, you know. And then my mom saw it, and then everybody started, you know, sending me different messages. Hey, I saw you on TV. I saw you on TV. So. That is so cool, man. Absolutely <laughs> love that story. I think it's hilarious, and I love the video you did with your daughter. So we mentioned, or Albert mentioned in the introduction that you're a speaker, and you actually spoke recently at an event in Dallas, Texas. You were at the podcast movement. What was that experience like for you? It was very good. I've spoken before several times, but usually, I mean, in project management, I mean, this industry. So I usually speak at project management events, construction related events, and I talk about new media. You know, I talk about connecting online and personal branding and things like that. So this was the first time I was actually at a a media event, if you will, talking about project management. So it was a reversal of roles there, but it was a very good experience. And I just got to see the recording just the other day that's now up and available podcastmovement.com, I guess. And yeah, it was a good experience and the, the feedback was really good. Oh, man. Yeah. Feedback was great. You did a great presentation. And I think you had some pretty cool takeaways, too, just from the conversations there with the fellow podcasters and understanding coming some of the challenges that they're running into, not just in podcasting, but just in taking ideas and developing those. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that. Right, Albert? Well, I don't know who you're referring to, Albert. Albert isn't here. This is John Lennon. Hello, Caesar. Hi, John. John. Caesar, I know you're a very big fan of the Beatles. And I have to tell you, when Yoko and I did this, the sit-in for peace, we had a lot of things to get together and we actually had hired a project manager. I'd like to ask you, how can listeners take an idea and turn it into reality using project management? Very good question, John Lennon. I hope he wasn't the project manager's idea for you guys to take pictures naked in bed. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Okay. So turning ideas into reality. Project management, that's what project management is all about, is a systematic approach to taking something abstract, something new that doesn't exist yet, and then going through this process called project management, and then uh, having something tangible on the other end. And the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because it really has changed my life. And it's the reason why I was able to launch podcasts and now write a book and do all sorts of different things is because I naturally am very disorganized. I am probably in the ADHD spectrum. (laughs) 
and very forgetful. I was unreliable. I was, you know, I was a mess until I started learning project management. And that really changed everything for me, including turning ideas into reality. And that was one of the topics I talked about at the podcast movement, because I really believe that what really set people apart out there online is their ability to create products and services, take ideas in their minds and turn them into something real that they can offer for sale or to give away. And good examples, you know, Jared is a good example here. You know, he's a go-getter. He makes things happen. He's a project manager. You know, he actually is a project manager. So when you have that ability to turn ideas into reality, that's when you start moving forward and things start to change for you. See, we talked a lot about project management in our last interview, so the listeners can go check that out if they haven't already. But you mentioned your book, and I'm pretty excited about this. This is something that I was hoping you would have done probably a year, year and a half ago, but you are doing it. So let's talk about your book. What's going on with your book? Right. So I think I've always had this dream of writing a book and being a published author. And last year, I had on my show a guy named Patrick Snow, and he is a book publishing and writing coach. He has helped over 400 people self-publish their books. And we became friends. And then he said, you know, you need to write your book. You need to write your book. And he just planted the seed in my mind. And as you might know, there's some costs associated with self-publishing. There are so many routes you can go. You can go with Amazon. You can go do everything yourself. And But regardless, uh, however you, you look at it, there's always some sort of costs associated and things like that. And then later on, once you write the book, then you need to launch it. So that's a whole different monster. So I figured maybe I could do a Kickstarter campaign because that would create awareness for for my project. It would also validate the idea. If the idea for the book is not resonating, then people wouldn't back it. And better known that that before I sit down and write 40,000 words. And it would also, you know, give me the funds to self-publish. So this is what's going on right now. (laughs) I'm in this uh, whirlwind of uh, running a Kickstarter campaign and it's going really well. So that's the idea. And in the book, I'm just going to break down project management and explain it. So anyone can take their ideas and turn into reality and deliver on their promises and getting things done using these principles. Hello, my children. I am the Maharishi Yogi. Caesar, it's very great for you to be talking with me once again. And I follow you around everywhere, it seems, on the web. And I am very excited about your Kickstarter campaign, but there's a part of me that is a little bit torn and I'm a little bit hurt that you took this approach. Why must you be so violent? Why do you have to go kick something first? Why can't you just gently push it? Don't they have a website, maybe the gentle shove campaign? (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, Caesar, you have to remember you manifest what you put out into the world. So don't be so violent. But anyway, I do have a question and uh, I realize that maybe your hands are tied and maybe your feet and everything are tied. You don't have much control over where you get this money. But tell me, what compelled you to write this book? We're totally at a loss right now. What compelled me to write the book? This is what happened. And I think I touched on this before here. But as I said, I was really disorganized. I couldn't really get anything done. I'd always done well in school. You know, I went to um, electrical engineering school, which is really hard. And I did well, which to me tells me I'm not dumb. You know, I can actually understand things and I can do things. But for some reason, I just couldn't finish things. I couldn't find the discipline in me to start things and finish them. I have, you know, shelves and shelves of books that I even started but never finished. And hopefully this resonates with some people listening right now, because uh, I know there's a lot of people in that situation. You know, you have it in you and then you see other people succeeding and doing all these things. And you think, "Ah, I could do that. I could do that. I could have done that, but you never do it. And I started studying project management for to apply it at work. And all of a sudden, things started to click in my mind. I said, oh, my goodness, this is really a very useful way to, let's say, break a complex project down into manageable chunks. 
oh, this is something I can use right now to figure out how long this project's going to take. Oh, here's another tool and technique I can use to figure out how much this whole thing's going to cost. Hey, this is something I can use to figure out what to delegate to people and who I need to bring on board to help me deliver this thing. So it just became clear in my mind that, man, if people knew this, you know, you can just apply this to any idea that you have and start completing them and start delivering and start having products and services and, and things that you can offer to your audiences and into your market. So I just became really passionate about this and I started blogging and then I started the podcast. And I think the book is a, like a natural evolution of all this content that I've been creating. And I'm really looking forward to sitting down for the next few months to flesh it all out. Susan, the word project management can be intimidating for some people. So what's important for the ordinary non-project managers to know regarding the message in your book? First thing I think, Jared, is to understand what a project is. And I listen to a lot of podcasts and this term is thrown around a lot about project management. I recently listened to a podcast about you know hiring a virtual project manager and the way that I see that it's being used, it's a little bit, let's say, not correct, if you, if you will. A project is something unique that you're trying to create. It has a, a definite beginning and an end, and it creates something new. So, for example, the Start the Doubts podcast, as it uh, currently is, is not a project for you. This is what we would call in the industry operations. This is business as usual. You're just producing your episodes and on ongoing basis, right? But the launch of the show was a project. Okay, And you can maybe consider each of the episodes a mini project. So once you understand that everything you do is a sequence of unique things that you're trying to create, they are all of a sudden become a, a sequence of projects that you take on. And then project management is just a very attested and true approach that the business world uses to create new things. But the problem is, as you said, it's intimidating term, mostly because all the literature and all the materials that are out there related to project management, they are made for the business world. So the language is not really accessible. So what I'm going to try to do with the book is to explain project management the way I see it as a small business solopreneur podcaster person, you know, how it has helped me. So I'll just take away all the lingo and the business world language and just, okay, get to the nuggets of each one of the principles and say, this is how you can approach any project that you have and figure things out. So like how long it's going to take, how much it's going to cost, what resources you're going to need. And then you can make a decision. Yeah, this is something I'd like to take on and do. Or you know what? This project is great, but I don't have the time, the resources, or it doesn't appeal to me right now. I'm going to shove it until next year, for example. But it just creates clarity, clarity, and it helps your decision making. Hey, hello, guys. I'm here. I just got the message on my iPhone 6 Plus. It's Yvonne Lentil from the Cooking Mostly for Men show. Hi, Caesar. Hi, Jared. How are you? Good. Yvonne, welcome. Yeah, welcome Hi, Yvonne Lentil. Thank you very much. Listen, I just took the Cornish hen out of the oven. I thought it was going to be late, but Caesar, I'm really excited about this Kickstarter campaign because, well, you might know I'm, <laughs> I'm on to my third network with my show, mostly... The reason that my show got canceled last time was because of the fire. And I'm interested in knowing how to raise money because, well, let's face it, it's cooking shows are a dime a dozen and there's a good chance I may have to be starting my own network itself. So my question is to you, and I'm dead serious here. Why did you go about getting your funding through Kickstarter as opposed to other legal methods that I may use? <laughs> I don't want to know about the fire and how it got started, so... I'm curious about the illegal methods. Well, th th put it this way. There's a lot of burning oil. It was horrible. Put Michael Jackson Pepsi commercial to shame. 
<laughs> All right. It's a good question, Caesar. It is a good question. Forgot what it was about funding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. All right. So why Kickstarter? Kickstarter is great because I could go around and you know I could gather my own money, my own resources, and invest in this dream of mine of writing the book, which is a totally okay thing to do. Kickstarter brings other people into the equation. And eventually, even if you write a book on your own and for yourself, you'd like people to read it. So, you know, you got people to read it, to buy it from you. So eventually, you're going to have to bring people into the mix. So why not bring them into the mix during the early stages when they can actually help you validate the idea and also direct a little bit content of the book? You can write it for them. Kickstarter is a great way for people to back the project. And it's really not charity because I'm going to send them a book, you know, so they are actually pre-ordering the book in a way. And by doing that, they show me that they believe in the idea and they're willing to help me and buy it now and get it a few months from now. So uh, it's a great way to raise the funds that you need to do anything because, you know, you get the funds, you validate the idea, you create buzz, you create excitement around your project and it's working really well. How's the campaign going so far? Well, the campaign is, I think there's 24 days to go. So the campaign is about seven days, six, nine, eight days old. And I am uh, 55% funded. And it's usually, it does well. These campaigns, they do well in the first few weeks. And then in the last week, when there's a final push, but I'm actually, I thought I was going to do better than average at the beginning, but man, I'm really, I'm really overwhelmed at the support. I mean, 72 backers right now. And people are just coming out to help and they're excited about the book. So it's really, really cool to see. Caesar, for some people, they don't know Kickstarter and, and that's becoming less and less because it's so common now. And it, it is a great thing. I've, we used it for podcast movement. You create different rewards for the people that are supporting you. So what are some of the rewards for those who support your book campaign? This is something I really researched a lot before starting this campaign. There was a lot of homework before I launched this. And one of the things I read and heard over and over again is that you need to limit the number of rewards. Because as you know, Jared, if you give people too many options, sometimes they just don't choose any. So I have a basic pledge is 12 Canadian dollars, which is probably around $10 US right now. And for that level, you get the ebook, the electronic version of the book. And then for $28, you get $28 Canadian you get the actual signed hardcover copy of the book and shipping is included. And then it goes up from there. I have the most popular pledge level is 58 Canadian dollars. And that gets you the signed hardcover copy of the book, the ebook, the audiobook version, and also three ebooks written by my uh, publishing coach. So you get four ebooks, an audiobook, and a hardcover book autographed by me and your name will also be listed as a supporter in the book and also you get a personal thank you card from me in the mail so that's by far is the most popular pledge level and one that actually starting to do well as well is it's a pledge level that you get all the rewards of the, the previous pledge which is the 58 dollar and you get one hour skype call with me and you know we can talk about anything we can talk about kickstarter we can talk project management we can talk about podcasting and that is selling as well you know so and then there's two more the higher reward level that I have right now is a $928. I will come and speak at your event and I'll bring 15 copies of the book to, for you to give away to your members, whatever association you happen to lead. And I am actually closing in on one of these pledges today. So apparently it's appealing to people who organize events like that. So I'm excited about that. And I'm thinking right now of also adding a pledge for sponsorship spots. 
I've been speaking with a couple of companies and that there might be some interest there as well. So that's, in short, that's the pledges that I have set up for this project. But people get really creative with these pledges. As you know, Jared, you guys were really did really well with podcast movement when it comes to that. I saw a campaign, you probably saw this too, Caesar. where a guy was wanting to make... I think it was like potato salad. Potato salad, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, I think he was just initially trying to get $10 and he ended up getting like six figures. Just to make potato <laughs> salad, yeah. It's funny to see when they come up with these platforms, see people stretch it to the limits of, okay, well, how can I still play by the rules but do something ridiculous? And this is a good example of a guy who's making <laughs> thousands of dollars really by providing no value. It's just people want to participate yeah. in this madness, so they give them, you know, $5 yeah, in there. Yvonne Lentil should take notes. Oh, yeah. Maybe uh, Kickstarter campaign to rebuild the studio after the fire. Hey, you guys, you crazy guys. This is Christopher walking in. How are you? Christopher, Good. welcome. Oh. Hey, Caesar. I've been following your progress for a long time. And, you know, all the time people come to me for advice. Actors, people want to dance, go on Broadway, because I've done everything like that. And I know that you are a source for advice for people who want to get stuff done. So what encouragement do you offer listeners who are feeling overwhelmed or stuck in an idea or project? <laughs> Good question, Christopher. Thank you. The first advice I give to people when they tell me that they have this idea and it's big, they don't know where to start, is to write things down. I like mind mapping. That's a front-end tool to kind of organize your thoughts. So just take a piece of paper or take a mind map software and just start putting your thoughts down and brainstorming freely without thinking of any structure. Just let's say you're planning to write a book. And just to use that as an example, writing a book can be overwhelming. Just the thought of it, you know, writing thousands of words and then selling and printing and book cover design and all those things that you don't even know. So one idea is to just sit down and write things down. So, okay, for a book, what do I think I need to have done to publish a book? Well, I need to write. That's one thing. So you write that down. I need a cover. Write the cover down. I need interior layout, you write that down. I probably need some sort of ISBN number, you write it down. So you write everything down that comes to mind, and then you start to group these things into, into groups that make sense to you. So for example, all the printing aspects can go into under a bubble called printing. And now you start doing that until you get to a map of that project. And then you can take a, take a step back and look at it and say, wow, this is really not that bad. Or you can say, wow, this is really complex, and maybe it's not a good idea to tackle that right now. But once you take that out of your brain and onto the paper or onto the screen of your computer... Now, you know, you unload that stress onto something outside of you. And I'll tell you, I think the number one ingredient for success in any project is peace of mind and not being overwhelmed. So and when you take that out of your brain, I think that's the first step. And then we, we can talk about what to do with that mind map later on. And I think the book is going to cover that. But that to me is the number one thing is to unload your brain so you are at peace and you can look at this from an objective point of view and not a subjective or emotional, overwhelmed point of view and you can say, yeah, this is what I need to do. And then we can take it from there. So Caesar, who is doing something that interests you? You know, Jared, you are to watch you since we met at New Media Expo a year and a half ago and to watch what you have done since then is just really inspiring. You're doing amazing things. And it's really cool. You wrote a book as well. And, uh, you know, while, while I'm here planning this Kickstarter campaign, you just went out and did it. So that's kudos to you and the book did really well. Let's see. Another person who is doing something really cool is Albert Hatazi. Yeah, uh, that guy. I, man. I, the other guy here today, because 
he is a funny guy. He is an authentic guy and he has a comedy show, which when we talk about podcasting, that's usually not a topic that we talk about because we're talking about business and list building and, you know, things like that. But Albert's show is really a delight to listen to because it's just Albert being funny and doing what he loves to do. And Albert, you even got a hater the other day. I thought that was really cool and a sign that you're actually, you've made it. When you get haters, I think that's a sign that you made it. Tell us about the hater, Albert. Oh, the hater. Yeah, I did something a little bit edgy, but completely clean. And I was just driving my car and I thought it would be great to have, an, have a guy who, who's ob- observational and he notices things that he doesn't like. One of the things that I kind of find strange in our town is bike lanes. You know, they redid all of our streets, took them a long time to line them and all that. So I, I just, you know, just some satirical humor here. This character in my podcast didn't like bike lanes. And I put it up on Google Plus and I tagged it with our city. And this one guy who later I found out is a big biker, he was basically putting down my type of comedy and saying it was a completely ignorant approach to <laughs> what's happening around town. And I'm like, all right, somebody's listening to the show. All right. So we all know that you're nobody until somebody finally dislikes what you're doing. You should say that as a Dean Martin. <laughs> Everybody. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> No, good for you, though, Albert. That's- Albert lives in the north end of Canada, so I don't think people ride bikes anyways up there. Yeah, That's be- why that guy's so angry. He wants to ride his bike. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, just to add on to that, apparently the guy who came up with this idea for our city doesn't even drive a car. So how's that for knowing what people really need in the city? He's just a biker. <laughs> what city do you live in, Albert? Ontario, Canada. All right. Hi, I see that's Arnold here. How are you? I'm good, Arnold. What have you been up to these days? You're from Canada, aren't you? Yes. I'm going to be going for the governor of Ontario now. We don't have governors at provinces. We have premiers. (laughs) (laughs) I want to read up on that. I don't know what to even say about it. But listen, I got one question for you. Thanks for coming to the podcast. What's the best place for your listeners to support your Kickstarter campaign? Very easy. If you go to projectmanagementforyou.com, all spelled out, projectmanagementforyou.com, it's going to take you to the campaign and you can, I made a video as well and it's, uh, I decided to do something a little bit different with the video, but that's all I'm going to say. You have to go and watch it. Well, Cedar, before we wrap up here, we had some awesome co-hosts. We had Elvis Presley, John Lennon, Yogi, Yvonne Lentil, Christopher Walken, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, I don't know what people want in a show, but this uh, definitely delivered. Do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Yes. Uh, My final thought is, you know you want to do something, you see other people doing it, and you know you can do it too. And guess what? You can. If I can do this, you can too. So think about what you want to do, write it down, and get started. Yeah, or just make a singing video with your daughter and have millions of people see it. Or you can do that too. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome being part of this, uh, watching you do this, especially since I know you so well. And uh, it opens up the eyes on, on what's possible, really. And I just wanted to publicly thank Jared and Albert because you guys were one of my first backers there. So thank you so much. Oh, man. My pleasure. I'm excited about the book and definitely best wishes to you and your family and the book and everything that's going on. Yeah, Albert, you got any final thoughts? No, again, uh, it's great. Thanks for having me. And, you know, we should be honest with people that we're definitely not in the same room. You know, we are cross. There was like a triangle right now. That's what we would be seeing. Since you're way in, in London, I'm in the other end of Ontario. It'd be like a triangle right now. So, you know, just to keep things real. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in South Florida, which is not Canada. Although we do have Canadians here. You might find this interesting, Jared. Even though Albert and I are in Ontario, Canada, it is a shorter drive for me to drive to you than to him. (laughs) Is that true? That's true. 
wow, to drive all the way to South Florida That's would be closer than for you to go to Thunder Bay. Yep. Yeah. We're about wow. 15 hours apart. Something like that. Interesting fact. Okay, cool. Well, hey, gentlemen, thank you again. Projectmanagementforyou.com, right, Caesar? That's correct. Thank you, Jared, Great. for the opportunity. And Albert, always fun, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Kickstarter is a great way for people to back the project. And it's really not charity because I'm going to send them a book, you know, so they are actually pre-ordering the book. And by doing that, they show me that they believe in the idea and they're willing to help me buy it now and get it a few months from now. 